So my first question, Mr. Fernandez, is what is the major difference between capitalism? Well, I'm, let me let me let me start over. I'm gonna ask this, I'm gonna ask this other question, Mr. Fernand Mr. Fernandez. Please tell us about your background. Well, actually, yes. Uh, my background is uh, I was born in Havana, in Cuba, and then I was indoctrinated there in believing that communism is the solution to the all societal problems and the humankind is going to be happy only under communism. That was the indoctrination. So that's the education that we receive in the communist countries, believing that God doesn't exist and that the government is the solution. And um, after that, I was sent to the Soviet Union to complete my education. Uh, actually, I was graduated in the University of Economics in Minsk in Belarus. And there, well, they continue my indoctrination and all what they did basically was to try to convince me that actually there is no other future for, for the humanity than communism, that they, they portrayed that, like the bright future of the human. So uh, I was there, by the way, during the 1980s. So I saw the transformation of the Soviet society at that time, because actually they declared that they uh, have built socialism. I mean, they call it in Russian, that means that they build socialism completely and in a definitive form. But then they realize, okay, if we build that thing, but there is not communism, what we have done. And that's why they make up the Pidistroika and the Glasnost, because they, they realize about the contradiction in itself that they, that, that's why I define socialism. By the way, Marx defines socialism between the, I mean, the transitional period between capitalism and communism. And I actually <laughs> say that it's the bridge to nowhere, because actually that uh, society, communism, is, is, is no, it's a nowhere to go uh, for the humans, because it's completely against what we as humans believe is right. So our human nature is another thing, that's first, but second is completely unjust what communism actually wants from the humans. But that's wow. what I recall from that time, actually. So here's my, here's my first question, Mr. Fernandez. Um, what is the big, for, for see, a lot, of, a, a lot of Americans and people in the West, and this includes maybe some people in Europe and uh, people in, in, in South America, uh, people, some people don't know what communism is like. What is, what are the big differences between capitalism and communism? Okay, let me, let me start by explaining what is capitalism, because sometimes people don't even understand what is capitalism. And in many ways, we are destroying capitalism. 
because capitalism, the first of all, is the respect for the private property. So when the, when somebody is talking about confiscation and somebody is plundering the property of other people because of the, those ideas that are so in fashion now of taking from somebody and giving to somebody else, so that that's completely against what capitalism is. Capitalism is the freedom that you have because you have your life, your liberty, your property. And so what the government should be doing is defending those uh, rights that you as an individual have for those things. Your life, the life of your family, okay, your uh, liberties, those faculties that you have in order to provide for that life because life is not sustainable but by itself you have to do something for your life and that, that's the core issue that the you, you, if you work hard and you accumulate property the rest of the society instead of plundering what you have actually have to see in you a model to follow because you are doing something good when you actually are using those faculties of yours in order to create wealth. So private property is a, is a fundamental issue uh, in capitalism. The free market that exists. So in the free market, those voluntary transactions have to happen between free members of the society. Okay, so the money is there, uh, by the way, the, the money has a very important function in a free society where the competition is part of the society because the price mechanism actually signals uh, a lot of things in economics. So when we know now, for instance, today we are living in an inflationary uh, experience in the United States because of the bad policies, the bad central policies that they believe that with more regulations, they are going to solve that instead of giving the uh, free market the opportunity to autocorrect the imbalances. Let's put it like that. Okay, another aspect that is very important is the meritocracy in itself. So in capitalism, people are paid because of their contribution to the society. If you actually contribute much more than me, it's just and it's fair that you receive much more than me because you are contributing to the society more. So that merit should be reward. Uh, and by the way, yeah, the government in a capitalist society should be functioning in a way that uh, defend those individual freedoms. So, in communism, it's the other way around. So, the first thing that communism actually proposed is to confiscate the private property. So, putting the means of production in the hands of the society. And, and that's one of the things that communism actually parted things in a way that many people feel attraction towards those proposals. Because in the minds of communists, they actually believe that by putting the means of production in the hands of the whole society, 
they are going to solve the problem in the sense that there are not be more social classes anymore and then uh, all people are going to be equal and, uh, and and that doesn't work that like that because if you remove that uh, that private property or the possibility of having that private property if you remove the free market if you remove competition if you remove the function of uh, money uh, those uh, price mechanisms that actually auto-regulate the, the society, the economy, and if you remove meritocracy and the transactions are not voluntary anymore because it's, it's the government, the one that decides things, uh, then it happens that people don't feel that they have to put any effort at all because that way, and that, that's why the communist societies are so poor in comparison with the capitalist societies because in the communist societies people think about uh, themselves just as, as the isolated uh, entities that belongs to the government and the government actually tells them what to do and so they don't even put any effort in anything why I should put an effort in, in working hard? If anyway, I'm going to receive the same, the government is going to decide according to what they want, what I'm going to receive. So what's, what's the point for me to put an effort? And that's the difference. That's why it's so, uh, I mean, evident the difference. Korea is divided. The North Korea is communist, is one of the poorest countries in the world and South Korea is capitalist as is one of the richest countries in the world. That's the difference. Yes, yes, I totally agree. And and thanks for explaining uh, meritocracy uh, to, to the audience because, you know, communism also wants to control your time and put in place value on what your time is worth or they, they will just take you out of the system and say, you know, in terms of contributing to society, we're, we're just going to take your time out of the system, which also limits and reduces uh, capitalism. So thank you for that explanation. Mr. Mm -hmm. Fernandez, the next question that I have is, and please share if you want to, what are some of the most painful moments that you have that you've experienced under communism? Well, the, the ones that I remember the most uh, because uh, there is a big misconception about how in the reality communism work of those countries that want to build communism uh, are uh, working I, I remember when i was 11 12 uh, years old uh, I, I was okay i'm from havana so from the city but they moved us on sundays to uh, to outside Havana, and so we were uh, out from our families because my uh, my family was working in Havana, and then I was there in uh, in the south of Havana. They call it Batabano, and uh, I was working in the fields. So they justify the the our 
education by saying no anyway you are kids but anyway you have to contribute because uh, this is a society in which everybody have to contribute and so we were uh, working in the agricultural field uh, in the morning and then in the afternoon we went to the classes okay in which we received the indoctrination or the education the instructions that they wanted us to to follow that that's one of the things that I remember the other thing was that at that time for instance during the 1980s when the Mariel exodus happened they took us from that uh, that place outside Havana and put it in uh, buses and actually uh, move those uh, transportation to Havana and make us to pass through, uh, I mean, in front of Fidel Castro, marching and uh, uh, chanting and yelling that we we support the revolution and things like that. That they and, and, and you, you, I remember that I was a kid and I didn't understand so much about what was happening, but I remember that they used me uh, as a political. Uh, way of propaganda for communism. I remember perfectly uh, that, that that was the norm. Uh, we we didn't decide anything. We we didn't uh, under uh, yeah we didn't understand what was happening. But anyway, we were marching in support of communism gotcha. and chanting that uh, we we want to be like Che Guevara. And at that oh. time, they portrayed Che Guevara. I remember, I was, uh, I, I thought for a long time that Che Guevara was a hero. After that, I, I understood and I read a lot about it because uh, I know now that Che Guevara was a murderer. But at that time, for me, it was a he was a hero, and I was like yelling all the time. I want to be like Che Guevara. Yep, yep. That Che Guevara uh, story and myth and mistruth definitely spread across uh, a lot in, in Latin America. These people in Latin America saw Che Guevara as a, as a as a as a good guy, but he was definitely a bad guy. Here's mm-hmm. my next question. Uh, so people in America now are starting to see uh, the government. Uh, seize control over things like the like oil oil production. Uh, there's food shortages because of bad decisions, or I should say, decisions that the government knows are bad, but they but it works for them. What are some of the early signs that Americans need to look out for uh, to at least in their minds understand that communism communism may be just around the corner? Yeah, well. I'm very concerned what is happening now in the United States of America, and I'm uh, I'm going to uh, recall one thing from the time when I was in communism. Uh, one of the subjects that, for sure, all of uh, like people like me that were indoctrinated there in communism, all of the uh, I mean, one of the subjects that we study was scientific communism. They call it. By the way, it's very similar to what today they teach in sociology here in the United States. Okay? So, 
But I remember that in scientific communists, they used to insist in the fact that we can subvert capitalism. So uh, they actually developed a, a theory on uh, in the way of how to do it, the subversion in itself. And one of the important uh, stages was demoralization of the society. Where, that is very advanced here in the United States because uh, there are people here that actually hate the symbols of United States. They they kneel when the national anthem, they actually consider offenses the flag of the United States in itself. So those are signs of demoralization and the, and the left is pushing for those things in the United States of America. One of the is one of the things that concern me much more is that they have all the platform. They have penetrated all the institutions in a way that they dominate the narrative. And so many people in America actually are falling into that narrative. After that, by the way, after demoralization, they also. Uh, they used to mention destabilization of the country by creating crisis. In this case, for instance, in America, we are passing now the coronavirus situation. Like they, they call it a pandemic. And so um, it, that, that fear factor is very important because when you feel fear, you in a kind follow directions. So you are easily manipulated if you are afraid of some of something, if somebody patriots that that way is the is the safe way, and so you follow that, and many people without using the any kind of analysis are following those direction and the. I mean the most concerning side of the situation now is that they mandate you to do things and then when you you try to at least question things, they cancel you. So your voice is not even heard but anyone because they have the means to cancel you. That's a very concerning uh, stage in the development of the current events in the United States of America. And I'm uh, I actually very, very concerned about this current situation with this current, I mean, government that we have, because from the DC, they are pushing that narrative and they are supporting the ones that actually cancel other people and the alternative voices in America. They even have called the parents that are concerned about the education of their kids, they call them domestic terrorists. That's a very dangerous path. Yes, that's a very, that's a very, because domestic terrorism, terrorist has a specific meaning where the, the person is causing harm to the country, almost in a sort of like a, 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 a almost military type way. But these parents are not terrorists. They just care for their children. So here's my last question, and I want to thank you for your time today. I know you have a, bu a busy schedule, but here's my last question. Uh, hold on for a second. My last question 
knowing what you know right now and knowing what you have seen in, in, you know, in the number of years where you have seen communism and you have, you know, converted over to the capitalist society, what should Americans do right now to push back against communism? Well, first, for sure, is to go out of, of their comfort place. When you are comfortable believing that it's not going to affect you, you are in peril because it's going to affect you. So the first thing uh, that I would advise to the Americans is don't take for granted anything. Question things and actually use the rights that you already have. You have or you still have the right to uh, peacefully protest. So I would say that uh, a systematic, uh, systematic pro protesting, let's put it like that, is, is one of the way to uh, air your inconformity of what they are proposing to this country. Because America is a great country and we have the duty to defend the freedom in America. If America goes down, there is no other place to go because America means that beacon of freedom, the, the liberty that the humankind always dream of is America. And so we have the duty to defend those freedoms. Still, we can save this country and this country is worth to be saved. I mean, but depend of us, the people that actually uh, understand freedom, depend on us to go out and actually make our voice heard. And one of the things that I would advise is to unite all the organizations, all the people, all the American freedom lovers in one voice and make our voice heard in Washington DC and in the 50 capitals of the union, because it's a thing that uh, is affecting all of us. At some point, there, there, is, a, this, there is a story in, uh, in the American history that someone uh, asked uh, Benjamin Franklin, what kind of government we have? And he said, we have a republic if you can keep it. Well, maybe this is the moment for us to show that we want to keep it, that we, the people, with, the, with that initial intention of our founding fathers that was maintaining the government limited and the individual freedoms wide. Because if we actually lose our inalienable rights as humans, then we are going to be slaves. So there is no a fair uh, road. We rather defend these freedoms that we have because otherwise we are going to be slaves. And that, that, that's uh, my advice at this point because uh, the situation is very, very, serious and it's, it's very concerning what is happening yes yes 
Okay, Mr. Fernandez, I want to thank you for being a, a podcast guest on the Real People USA podcast. And can you please close us out in just a few comments in both English and Spanish? Por favor. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my Spanish is more better than English. I apologize for my oh, <laughs> heavily no, no. accented you, you, no, English. You were, very, you were very, very, very clear. So, so, so just please close us out in, some clo in a closing comment. Uh, yeah, okay. My closing comment should be about how communists disguise itself because they perceived as the, um, the solution for the humankind and actually they, uh, they want to impose their views because communism, you see, you see the leftists in general uh, know that life is hard for all of us. And so they use that discomfort, discomfort in order to actually convert that discomfort of ours in, because we, we have contradictions, we are humans. But if you actually uh, fall into the resentment and then you follow the leftist narrative that actually you belong to a group and you have to think because uh, in a way that you belong to the group, and so they, they make you think about yourself not as an individual, but just as a part of a collective. For instance, in my case, they think, they think that I have to think as a Latino. No, I, mm -hmm. I think as an individual. I have my values, my principles. So I vote no because I'm a Latino. I vote because I'm part of the people of America that wants to keep freedom in America. So, but if you actually fall into the narrative that the identity politics that you have to follow what they decide and put it in uh, different boxes to manipulate you and to convert you into a victim, then that's very dangerous. I invite all the Americans to defend the values of America the heritage of America that fundamentally is freedom. That's what we have to be uh, fighting for. The, all, all the other things are distractions. That the public health, the uh, whatever, uh, the education. No, no, no. If you don't have freedom, you don't have anything else. What do you need education for if you are not free? What do you need health care for, for if you are not free? You have to be free in order to actually worth something as a human being. And that's the greatness of America. That's the uniqueness of America. That this nation was found with those ideas in mind. The framers of this nation actually believe that we have those inalienable rights, inalienable rights, meaning we cannot separate those rights from our condition of being human. We have the life, liberty, property, self-defense, pursuit of happiness. Those are our rights and those rights are at stake right now.
if we actually allow the government to decide even that I have to put in my body a vaccine, then those rights are gone forever. That's right. That's right. Mr. Fernandez, I want to thank you for your time uh, today. And so we just you just heard America on Real People USA. You heard from a Cuban-born, uh, Russia, Russian or Soviet-educated, and now in California working. And Mr. Fernandez, have a great afternoon, evening. Thank you so much, Rick. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.